Thank you for tuning in to Hill Country Fellowship's audio podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today. For more information, visit us online at hcfburnett.org. We're kicking off our new series today. We're going to walk through the book of Timothy in, uh, in a seven-week period, uh, 1 Timothy. Uh, and so today we're looking at verses uh, 1 through 11 of chapter 1. Um, and so we're going we're gonna to take it in three different chunks as we walk this uh, through this morning uh, and then end with a time of, of worship and response to Jesus for what he has for us. Um, so I want to read the big idea uh, of, of 1 Timothy from the Apostle Paul uh, to, to really the church, because there's a number of big ideas you can have in there, but when he's writing it to the church here, this was the big idea, and then I want to pray and, and just bless our time. So the, the big idea of the, of the entire letter that he wrote to Timothy, who's a pastor in the church in Ephesus, was that as a church, we are always called to be gospel-centered, Jesus-focused, and God created and ordained. The way that God designed us and the world and the way he ordered it is the way we're called to live. Uh, now, in, in decades past, it'd be like, okay, okay, order, structure. But, but in, you know, in, in the last 40 years or so, probably more than any time in history, globally, that has gotten so bizarre. Uh, and so it's always good to come back to the center of how God designed it all and how he ordains it all as we live out the gospel and look to Jesus all the time. So let's pray and, and give the Holy Spirit these moments in our lives uh, here today. God, we, we thank you for a letter like 1 Timothy that, that is, uh, is just written to followers of yours, to a church uh, in a place that was very, very wicked uh, back in the day and, and then calling this church to, to live differently, to follow you, to stand out because of you standing out in their lives. And, and I pray that you'd help us to apply that in our life as a church, individually in our lives as, as sons and daughters uh, of yours, and, and, and also to be challenged, motivated, and even burdened to share truth with grace to the world around us. In your name we pray. Amen. So an overview, just real quick, and you'll get bits and pieces of this over the next seven weeks as we hit different topics, but uh, as far as Timothy and, and the church at Ephesus go, uh, Timothy was basically assigned to, to take over this, this church and pastor it. He was, uh, for lack of a better phrase, he was on Paul's just missionary A-team, like like there was Paul and, and a few others, and, and they were just going for it and having a blast and loving life. And Timothy uh, was on this team, and he was probably one of Paul's, if not Paul's, uh, number one uh, team members on that team. And then Paul says, I need you to actually stay here. While we keep going and doing the thing that we all love, I need you to stay here and pastor this church. Uh, and, and, and both are amazing calls, but... The only thing I can really liken it to is I, I grew up, I was, I'm the son of a Green Beret. My dad was an officer in the Green Berets. And, and I remember my dad telling me he went from his, his time in Germany and he was so excited, as odd as this is to my brain, to go into the jungles of Vietnam and serve tours there because that's what a Green Beret is made for. And then when that time was done, he went and he worked at the Pentagon in D.C. And he said it was one of the biggest letdowns in his life. 
And I'm like, let down? You're not, you're not living in the jungle with bullets flying past your head, you know, trying not to die. You're living like in Washington, D.C. and working at the Pentagon, probably one of the most secure buildings in the world. And he's like, I know, it's so boring. <laughs> and, and I can imagine Timothy at times going, I want to be in the jungles of Vietnam with Paul. Going, now, I don't want to be here in the Pentagon, even though the Pentagon's a great place to be. And, of course, my dad was honored to serve there and protect our nation and, you know, do a lot of stuff he did that he, can't, he couldn't talk about. But, um, but it was, he was made to be boots on the ground, gun in his hand, enemy in sight or in pursuit of. That was his, what pumped his blood. And so for Timothy, it was church planting, missionary, like, let's go into that city. They all hate Jesus and us. Let's go love them. He loved that. He's like, they've all got rocks in their hands. That was his thing. And so he's called to now stop and pastor this church in Ephesus. And as we'll find out over the seven weeks, the church hadn't messed up stuff. And Paul gets into it really right away. Uh, and we're going to look at 1 Timothy 1, 1 through 4 first here as Paul's writing to him. And he says this, this letter is from Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, Appointed by the command of God, our Savior, and Jesus, in Christ Jesus, who gives us hope. So he's saying, you know me, and I'm in charge. Because he needed them to hear this. I'm writing to Timothy, my true son in the faith. May God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord give you grace, mercy, and peace. Right then, Timothy needed some extra grace, mercy, and peace. He needed some soul oomph for the, for the job he's called to because it was not easy. And then he gives us warnings here in the next two verses. When I left for Macedonia, Timothy, I urge you to stay there in Ephesus and stop those whose teaching is contrary to the truth. Don't let them waste their time in endless discussions of myths and spiritual pedigrees. These things only lead to meaningless speculations which don't help people live a life in, of faith in God. So Paul's saying these detours that they're on here, he calls them different things there. He said they breed controversy and debates that do not need to happen. They are not beneficial for a life of faith in Christ Jesus. They lack power that, that builds up and strengthens the church. And so Paul's saying, you've got to call them on the carpet while preaching what matters most. And so he urged Timothy, he says it in there. Timothy was probably ready to, to get back on the road with Paul. And so Paul was saying, I need you there because they need truth. I'm sure that some of you have had jobs or you've been in certain situations. Maybe you've even been in certain fellowships, not this one, where they, they needed real truth or God just needed your presence in that job setting. And you're like, oh, Lord, remove me from these people. And he's like, I need you there because you're my missionary there. And without you there, I, haven't, I don't have one. So I need you to remain there. And you're like, can you just get Billy to go do it? You know, it's hard. There's false beliefs and practices happening here at the church in Ephesus. They're making up stories. They're changing the gospel. They're changing the story of Jesus. And, and at the same time, it's known for being a very wicked city. There's witchcraft and the occult happening like crazy in Ephesus. So on top of the stuff that's going wrong in the church, 
They're in this culture that is dark spiritually. And everywhere you go on the planet is going to have stuff that we deal with. Certain cultures that are not Jesus culture. Certain, certain uh, things that they, that they maybe struggle with that, that doesn't line up with the kingdom. So we're going to have that. But in their setting right there, the occult was huge. And so this witchcraft and this, just the, this, this bizarre thinking existed there. With those false teachings, there was this constant attention to and regurgitation of what was not necessary. You don't need to talk about that or focus on it or waste your breath or my ear space. we got to stop this because you're focusing on what doesn't matter. And some of it sounded good. This is a better way for us. You know, Jesus said this, but this is better. Let's do it this way. Oh, okay, and people go that way. And some of it, it tickled people's ears. They would make up pedigrees because pedigrees were big back then. They're like, oh, you know, your family, which is the greatest family of all time, is who we need to honor the most. I would guess most of the spiritual pedigrees that they were, that they were making stuff up about were wealthy, supportive people of those mouths because they were trying to align power and influence and money behind them. Some of it was just so off track that it was meant to have you buy into it just so they could control you and the way you think. So they just made stuff up. And what this did was that it made boisterous, divisive people necessary and it made the heart of the gospel secondary. And Paul's saying, hey, we just, that's not gonna work. It's not the way we're designed. It's not the Christian life. It's certainly not a life of faith. And it will only project and promote humanity and not God, not Jesus Christ, the Savior of mankind. It failed to live out the mission of Jesus, the basics of Jesus, which is seek and save the lost. It's, it's disciple those who are saved, and, and then it's to go and take that message to everyone around us as missions. It's to, to meet needs where they found needs in people's lives because they were just ignoring people who had needs because they couldn't provide for the, the ones who were so loudmouthed. Loudmouths tried to rule. Liars tried to entice people away from the truth and from the heart of the gospel, and Jesus was stuck in the corner. And so Timothy was assigned to help change all that and, and focus and promote, focus on and promote Jesus. So Paul's goal here in writing this letter to Timothy was for the church to be known for its devotion to Jesus, living out lives of integrity, doing good works, and taking care of the needs of others. That was his goal. He's like, we do those things well in Ephesus, and Jesus will be broadcast very loudly. It's what they lacked at the time, and it's also what will always try, from the enemy will always try to get this all focus in us. So it, it's, they struggled with this then, 2,000 years ago. And the enemy will always try to get, off all, get us as a church off focus. And so we have to always keep this as the main thing, that it's about Jesus. It's about living lives of integrity. It's about, it's about good works coming from our lives, and it's about caring for the needs of others. It's what matters most, because then it's always all about Jesus. And it's never about me or about you or about what you once did. It's only about Jesus. 
And so then Paul goes into verses, verses 5 through 7, and, and he wants the church to become truly compassionate and, and loving and careful and mindful of others. And so he says this in verse 5, the purpose of my instruction, this letter, is that all believers would be filled with the love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and a genuine faith. So he's saying there, hey, this, that this, is, this is the biggie for us all. But some people have missed this whole point. They've turned away from these things and they spend their time in meaningless discussions. They're led astray by, by empty words of men, some versions say. Verse 7 says they want to be known as teachers of the law of Moses, but they don't even know what they're talking about, even though they speak so confidently. They just simply love to argue, is what Paul's saying. They just, they just like to talk. They love the sound of their own voice. They love to argue, and they're really loud and confident about it. I, I'm sure either all of us have someone in our family who's uh, just loud and makes a lot of noise and half the time doesn't make any sense. Uh, you, we had those people, and you're like, oh, no. And if you don't have those people, maybe you're that person. I don't know. But, uh, but we had the insight, oh, he's talking again. She's talking again. This is when I should go do dishes. You know, we, we have all that's, that's for me. I, I was that guy. Praise God, he redeemed me. And then now I'm the dishes guy when that comes around. Uh, no, I don't really do dishes. I'll go sit outside and talk to other people. But uh, dishes are for, you know, my mom to do. No, just kidding. Uh, when I'm at her house. But Paul here, he's summing up the great commandment and the great commission. That's really what he's doing. Really, in, in verse 5 alone, he's saying, this is the point. It is love God. Out of that, you love people, and then you go, and you tell them about Jesus, and you see him saved, and you get him baptized, and you disciple him, and then you get more of you to go. And we just live that cycle over and over, and that comes from a, a, a conscience that's clear and a heart that's pure and this faith that's genuine in God. It's the Jesus theme throughout the entire Bible. And it's where we get our big idea today in these 11 verses that we are called to live out the truth while always be mo being motivated by love. Truth without love is mean. Love without truth is, is mushy and gives them nothing. It's got to be truth bathed in love and grace and compassion. But if I come in there and I go, you sinner, let me tell you something. There is no love there. It's just mean. And the people are like, I can, you're, I, you're scaring me. And if I go, you know what? Everything's okay. Just, just be happy about it. <laughs> That's hell in a handbasket. It's truth in love. Because he saved me while I hated him. He died for me while I despised him. He bled while I mocked him. If that's not love, then I don't know what is. But the truth is, he's the only way. And so it has to be both. And Paul's saying, you got to get him to do both. And if they do both, you really just, it's a win-win. In Deuteronomy 6, we see the same message portrayed by, by Moses as he says that you have to love your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And and he says, talk about God and God's love with as many people as you can, especially with the ones who are most important to you. Talk about it in the morning. Talk about it as you walk. Talk about it at the supper table. Talk about it when you go to sleep. 
Just talk about God and His love, and you'll be focusing on Him all the time with all your heart, your soul, and your strength. Why? Because it's good for us. That's why it keeps us mindful of what matters most. It's best for us. And it connects our hearts to Jesus. If I focus on the things that only matter to my flesh, well then Scott matters most. Scott's the number one, the be all, end all. And at the end of the day, I'm worshiping Scott's life. But if I love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, and strength, and I talk about it with my boys, and I talk about it with my daughter, and I talk about it with my wife, and I talk about it with Matthew, and I talk about it with the elders, who's on my mind all the time? God, and what God did for me, and what he's doing in my life. Yet, we do seem to get so distracted, right? We get off track. Sometimes we just get apathetic, and we're like, eh. Whatever, I'm good. Got my fire insurance, I'm good. And we get, we get just lazy in our faith. We often seem to pursue other things or pursue nothing. We often just pick up what the world lays down in front of us. Don't pick up what the world lays down in front of you because it's fake and it's less than at the end of the day to leave you hungry. Feast on what God gives you at his table. But I found myself asking this question this week. Why is it so hard to follow God's way all the time or at times when I know it leads to blessings and I know the opposite only leads to messes in my life? Why is that? Because I try to do it on my own flesh, which is why Jesus comes and he tells us how in the world we're to do it. In John 14, verses 15 through 31, Jesus says, Here's the secret. It's not that big of a secret. It's the Holy Spirit. I'm leaving, and when I leave, God, the Spirit, will move into the life of the believer, and then you will always have God living inside of you, showing you the way, empowering you, speaking truth to you, showing you what to do, calling you to do things, convicting you of sin issues, helping your mind to stay on God all the time. We don't have to go find the Holy Spirit the believer has the Holy Spirit living inside. He keeps us from the power of sin by living in us and then from us. Because the reality is, we just can't do it on our own. It is impossible for any of us to do it on our own. We just need more. And the only more that works is the Holy Spirit. It's not more of me figuring it out. It's impossible to stay the course in your own strength. So the Holy Spirit's the one to do it. That's what Jesus tells us. And, he, and, and if you read uh, the original Greek, there's a word called paraclete to describe the Holy Spirit. It's not a word we use in English. Uh, uh, you know, it's just not a common one that flows off the tongue. But it, it's such a great description. So it's probably one of the few words that I use that's not English. And then I don't even use $10 words in English. I'm like a 10-cent guy. But um, paraclete in describing the Holy Spirit means your personal defense attorney who stands right there next to you and helps you along the way. So he, he, he fights for you and he defends you and he protects you and he covers you and he counsels you and then he even comforts you because he's right there with you. He's your defense attorney. Because I can't do this on my own. So I even need to be protected from myself. Myself. 
my own thoughts, my own desires, my own uh, fleshly things. So the Holy Spirit protects me from myself. And the reality is you can't do it on your own either. So you need, you need him to protect you from yourself. And then we have enemies. And so he protects us and covers us and defends us from our enemies. Paraclete also means the one who ends the curse. Isn't that beautiful? He ends the, the, the curse. He ends the sin effect in your life. He comes in and he, just, he cancels it. Because he moves in, he mushes sin out. It's like there's only so much that can, that can be held inside this, you know, this bubble here. And so there's sin issues and struggles and maybe good thoughts and all this stuff. And the Holy Spirit's like, uh, I'm going to move in. I'm going to take all the space. And so everything else goes away besides heaven. I move in and I end the curse. He ends the, the work of sin in our lives. He saves us from its influence, from its, from its control, from its effect. And if you're struggling, don't be ashamed. No shame on the struggle, but go to him and go, I'm struggling you're supposed to end the curse in my life, the sin effect in my life, and I, and I still struggle here, so, so help me. And he's like, that's what I want to hear. You asking me to help you instead of you trying to figure it out. Ask him, and he will help you. If his job is to move inside this frail body and help this, this uh, person who, you know, has issues to, to not give in to those issues, don't you think he's going to help when we ask? He's not going to come and be like, man, I moved in. Is that not enough? No, he wants us to ask and he wants to help us. He's our defense attorney. He's there for us. And Jesus says that, that his spirit indwelled followers are not only uh, protected and covered and the curse is ended, but we're also called to something greater. We're not called to just live until we die. We're called to join him on mission. We're here as his redeeming force now on earth. We stand firm in a world that's gone astray, that's gone wrong, to share the only way, Jesus Christ, to speak the truth of Jesus Christ, to, to, to show what real life is because Jesus is the life. That's what Paul is telling us in this passage here. Proclaim the message of Jesus. Focus on what matters most. And Jesus said in John 14, verse 23, He said, All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we, the Trinity God, will come and make our home with each of them. I mean, wow. <laughs> I, me? The entire Godhead makes its home in me? If you are my follower, Jesus says, and you follow this, this, what I have given you, and then what I empower you to follow, I give you all the ability to do it, you follow this and and the Father, the Son, and the Spirit will come to you. It doesn't say you go find him, start on that journey and hope you make it. He says we'll come to you and we'll make our home in you, in your life. My love for Jesus is proven and demonstrated by my obedience 
to live out this word to all that he says. So stand firm. Oh, Scott, I don't have the ability to do it. You're right. But the Holy Spirit in you gives you the ability to do it. That's the point. And that's what Paul's trying to bring them back to constantly. Timothy, they've lost their way. They've lost their mind. So bring them back to what matters most. Even though it's hard, they're in a place that's like in a cult. And it's hard. We see, we see the, the choices to stand firm in the midst of a world gone wrong in the life of Noah in Genesis chapter 6. He stayed the course. Even when it says that the world was so out of control that God was sorry he ever made it. And yet, Mo, and yet Noah stood firm and stayed the course. In verse 18 of Genesis chapter 6, it says that God made a covenant agreement with Noah because Noah was obedient and willing to stay the course. And then in verse 22, it says Noah did everything exactly as God willed it. And so, so Noah stood. Was it always easy? No, we know. He had to build an ark and take all those hundreds of years to build an ark. And people mocked him the whole time. The world around him took the easy way out of satisfying their flesh and making fun of him. But at the end of the day, Noah and his family were alive on an ark and everyone else was dead. So, you know, that's not a hard one to figure out. Well, he didn't have to sweat more and probably hit his thumb a few times and they made fun of him, but they were dead. So, Jesus, thumbs up. Then Paul wraps up this plea that he's given Timothy and really the church and talking to us today. This plea to help us stand firm by letting us know that it's all about relationship now, not about rules anymore. Um, they had a lot of rules to follow, and, and the Old Testament was great for what, what was then. But Jesus came and he changed it all. So Paul writes this in verse 8. We know that the law is good when used correctly. For the law was not intended for people who do what is right. He's saying there that, that uh, the law was intended to bring conviction to sinners to know where they were off track. To, for the unrighteous to, to hear the, the call of the Holy Spirit to change their ways and for the Holy Spirit to bring revelation to us. It says it's for people who are lawless and rebellious. That's what the law is for. Who consider nothing sacred and defile what's holy. Who kill their father or mother or commit other murders. The law is for people who are sexually immoral or who practice homosexuality or are slave traders, liars, promise breakers, or who do anything else that contradicts the wholesome teaching that comes from the glorious good news entrusted to me by our blessed God. He's saying the law, the Old Testament, still has purpose, but not at all in the same way that, that it once did. It's not for believers who are following Jesus as disciples. You see, when, when genuine teaching and then following of that teaching, which is the word, when following the truth happens, people become like Jesus. We we act like him, we sound like him, we listen like him, we care like him. We become who he was in essence. We have this genuine faith and we're loving and we don't have to make it up, it just flows from us. When we, when we walk according to the word of God, the teachings of Jesus. 
And the purpose of the Old Testament is not to live perfect and be rule followers to a T anymore. It's just not. It's not. It's different because Jesus came on the scene. Is it wrong to remember the festivals and, and, the, and the Ten Commandments? No. But remember, Jesus fulfilled it all. So it's, it's wrong to worship that. And some believers still do. We're free from the law because Jesus now fulfills all the law and he made it a lot simpler for us. I love simplified things. It's why I do not shop at Ikea. I can't. It, it literally hurts me and, and makes me want to cry. And if somebody's like, oh, you can buy this and it's all put together, you just need a giant truck. I'm like, I'll rent a giant truck if I don't have to put anything together. I love simplified. It's so awesome. And Jesus simplified it all for me. So the main purpose, Paul is saying here for the Old Testament is it's to show how much we need Jesus or we needed him prior to following him. How much we need all that he offers. Because all this Old Testament, which is basically like this much, all of it was fulfilled in Jesus. They had to follow all this stuff and even more that they added in because they added in. And then Jesus came and he said, come, follow me. Period. Isn't that beautiful? And Paul said, you, don't have, you need to teach him that what matters most is their heart and their mind. And this is what flows out of that because of their love for me. The Old Testament points us to Jesus who has it all for us. The Old Testament leads us to God's grace. So Paul, here he's writing and, and he basically notes three different groups where they're missing the mark. Pastor Dan in his study, they're doing a study right now in, in apologetics at 9 a.m. on Sundays. Uh, and they're walking through 1 Timothy. They just started it. Uh, Dan and I never even talked about it. I just found out that he was doing it. And I'm like, give me your notes. Uh, and so in this, in this section that he notes in his like 50 plus pages of it, he says there's three, three groups Paul gives us. The morally void, rebels, ungodly, willful, willful sinners, uh, dirty minds and hearts. Paul notes that there's the wickedly sinful, the murderers, adulterers, perversion, slave traders, calculated liars, and then my favorite category, anything else. <laughs> anything else. I love Paul. He just, I love how he does it. He's like, names all the stuff. He's like, and everything else that's against Jesus. So nobody has an out if we live in sin. Anything that doesn't line up with Jesus and the Bible, that's who the law is for. And you can try to apply that. And just like the old days with the law, you're always going to have to keep applying it. Or Jesus. A true disciple of Jesus doesn't need the law in his or her life because we're truly following Jesus. And we're becoming more like him. 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 18, the veil's removed. There's freedom because of the Spirit in us. And the Godhead, God the Father's will, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is turning us into the very image of Jesus one degree of glory after the next. So the Holy Spirit is promised to be our guide, our peace, our empowerment in this world that is lost and living a lie. So the question I have for us, are you being led by the Holy Spirit in every way in your life? I'm going to ask you to stand right now. In a moment, we're going to go to a, a song of worship. It's one of my favorite 
I think all time songs of worship called Yes I Will, it is a response song. Hence the phrase, Yes I Will. But it, it's saying, I will because I can't. And you absolutely can. And some of you might be like, I, I struggle being led by the Spirit in this area of my life, even though I seem to get it over here. And it's so frustrating. I just want to carve off that area of life because I just can't. You can't, but you can ask. God, help me. Holy Spirit, show me. Reveal anything in me that needs to be cut away. Convict me of any kind of sin issue that I'm struggling with. Illuminate truth to me so I can apply it to my life. It's his job and he loves it because he loves you. He loves living in your heart. He does not begrudge living in you. I, I can't imagine how excited the Holy Spirit was when he's like, is it my turn to go? Is it my turn to go? Jesus had his 33 years. Is it my turn? Because I get them until they all come home. I can't, he loves working in and through you. But ask, ask, and then respond. God, thank you for loving us so much that you would give yourself to live in these frail bodies. These former rebels and orphans, angry, isolated, against you, Whatever we were, whatever was our story that was anti-Jesus, you came and you rescued and you got us. You gave us life. You called us yours. You said, no longer an orphan, but a son. No longer a loner, but my daughter. No longer purposeless, but, but I'm giving you a commission. I'm giving you a commandment. Thank you for that. Now help us. Holy Spirit, by your power to live out the full gospel, to stay focused on what we need to stay focused on, to, to stay the course and stand firm when we need to stand firm while being loving and gracious and compassionate. And I would imagine all of us have some kind of issue where we struggle. So I pray right now, right now, and in this song of worship, we would be real, we would be honest, would be open and vulnerable with you and say, God, here's my struggle. Help me. God, here's where I have kept this from you because it's so hard to deal with. Help me. I'm opening it up to you. You have full access to transform my life. Help me to become like you, to sound like you, to look like you. Help me to be that compassionate person. Help me, Jesus. If there's anyone here listening, present, tuning in online, who has never made a decision to follow you, God, I pray that they would hear the call from heaven that says, I want you. I simply want you. I already died for you. Forgiveness is full. You just have to accept it. And I'm offering you my very life in exchange for your mess of a life. So come, come and follow me. Accept the invitation in your mind for all time. And I pray that if there's anyone listening, watching or here who's never made a decision to follow you as Lord and Savior, Jesus, they would say yes today. And they'd begin this journey of what matters most, staying the course and following the King and Creator, the Savior of mankind. In your name we pray, amen.
Thank you for listening. For more sermons and full-service replays, visit our media page on hcfburnett.org and follow us on social media. God bless and have a great week.